What's up, all you movie lovers? Al, you got something to say to the movie haters? You guys don't like movies? What are you, insane? Welcome back to By the Heart. I'm Alex. And I'm Sean. We believe that every great story is full of gospel themes. Together, we examine our favorite movies while looking at the gospel themes of characters in some of the best quotes. Also, we look at the moments that made us laugh, think, and cry. And we'll let you know when you can find a wall to pee on with our big daddy moment so you don't miss the good parts. Thanks for listening. The gospel is that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of the world and by faith alone you are brought into right relationship with God. This is By the Heart podcast where we review the best movies in the world and we talk about how they are full of gospel themes. I am joined in my makeshift closet with my co-host Sean Lally. Sean, how's it going? It's going great. And we have a special, special treat for you guys. One of my favorite people of all time is joining us, Greg Grimwood. Greg, how are you? I am thrilled to pieces to be here. Very excited to be a part of this. Greg is the lead pastor of Southside Community Church here in Worcester, Ohio. The same church that I happen to be a pastor of. He is my co-laborer. Greg, tell us just a little bit about yourself, what you have going on, and um, you have a podcast as well. So I do with my wife. It's called The Ways He Forms Us, and I love doing that with her. And yeah, I grew up in Worcester and came back to Worcester in 2015. Um, was working at a church in Wadsworth and moved back to Worcester where I grew up and lived in my parents' basement for a little while while I went back to school with my wife and two daughters. And yeah, we planted a church in 2018 with Big Al and here we are. Here we are. We are in my makeshift closet now. Could you imagine, could you have ever imagined while you were a pastor in Wadsworth that you would be doing a podcast about movies in a in a room that was turned into a closet with some guy you never knew? <laughs> <laughs> I think it would have been my best day to imagine I'd be doing this right now. <laughs> well, uh, when we talked to Greg about joining the podcast, I asked him what were some of his favorite movies, and he said that we needed to do this movie called Tombstone. And I think that anybody who's younger than 30 probably has not seen Tombstone. But should watch it. So sure. I think for episode 74, we're going to do Tombstone. <laughs> is, it, is it a bad action movie? No, it's a Western. Uh, well, I'll watch that, but I'd be, more excited. I'd be more excited Val if it Kilmer? a bad action movie. Yeah, Val Kilmer's in it. That's all you got to say. Okay. So episode 74, we're going to do Tombstone. But without further ado, episode 14. Are we on 14 already? We are on episode 14. Wow. And episode 14 is... Gladiator. Gladiator. We know you didn't know. <laughs> I realized as I was uh, listening back to some of our podcasts that um, we always make it like suspenseful. Like, what is our next episode? But the title of our podcast is the episode that we're doing mm -hmm. or the movie that we're doing. Mm -hmm. So making it suspenseful is just kind of funny now. Um, but Gladiator, it was, it was made in 2000. It was directed by Ridley Scott, which was really surprising. Scotty boy, our yeah. guy. Scotty boy. Didn't Ridley Scott do Alien? 
You don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> have you seen Alien? No. Have you seen Alien? I've not. Oh my god. What? I'm not, seen... a, I'm not really into sci-fi alien movies. Okay. Anybody who's out there who has seen Alien, text Sean and let him know that he's needs to watch it. And Greg too. So, Gladiator. It's about a former Roman general who sets out to exact vengeance against the corrupt emperor who murdered his family and sent him into slavery. Mm. Maximus, mm-hmm. played by Russell Crowe, is probably a top five fighter in any movie of all time. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, we're going to do April Madness. Whoa. April Madness. We're really missing sports. We are really missing March Madness. <laughs> so I'm going to name 15 fighters. And we're going to decide who are the best fighters in movies. And we have some stipulations. These mm-hmm. are fictional characters. So it's not like uh, any any movie that's based on true, like the, an actual person. Um, like um, General Patton or something like that. And nobody with superpowers. So you can't pick Superman. And you mm-hmm. can't pick Thor. Hmm. But you could pick Batman. Oh. And you might be able to pick Tony Stark. Is, oh, is Batman on the list? Batman's on the list. Oh. All right, I'm going to name the list, and then you guys tell me your top three. Okay. All right. First, Maximus from Gladiator. Okay. I think the thing that makes Maximus such a good fighter is his hair. It grows so fast, and then he has a haircut all of a sudden. Yeah, they never show when he gets a haircut. Never gets a haircut. I wonder what the barbershops looked like back then. They definitely used dull point blades. Yeah, I would probably say that. Do you think they talked about who was the greatest fighter of all time? Definitely. Around the round table while they were throwing dice. I also didn't know that they had candles in the year 160, but turns out they did. Hmm. So we have Maximus. Then we have Leonidas from 300. Oh. We will fight in the shade. Then we have Tommy Conlon from Warrior. Oh, you know what he has. What's he got? Big traps. <laughs> I never watched Warrior. Oh. oh. Well, Tommy Conlon's got some big traps. <laughs> Tom okay. Hardy. Yeah. Tom Hardy's got the best. Oh, yeah. Tra- we already talked in other episodes how Tom Hardy has the best traps of all time. This is at least our third episode talking about Tom Hardy's traps. It might be our fifth. Uh, okay. All the all of the Inglorious Bastards. Ooh. All of them. Uh, Private Jackson from Saving Private Ryan. A.K.A. Barry Pepper. This is the sniper. Aragorn from Lord of the Rings. The Horse and War Horse. <laughs> uh, Rambo. I know Sean loves Rambo. Oh, bro. Sly Stallone, yeah. Jason Bourne. Ooh. Katniss Everdeen. We're equalists around here. John McClane, Die Hard. Oh, number one. Winner. <laughs> Batman. Yeah. Christopher Nolan's Batman. Ooh. Uh, Han Solo. Oh, nice. Jean-Claude Van Damme in <laughs> yes. Bloodsport. Yes. <laughs> and my last but not least, of course, Rex Quando, Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's go uh, in order here. Sean, what's your top three? Give me John McClane number one. Ooh. Jason Bourne number two. Wow. Number three, I will go with Tom Hardy's Traps. Ooh, nice. <laughs> Greg, what's your top three? Uh, Maximus, just because we just watched it, and I'm hyped from it still. Jason Bourne, um, and I have to go with Rambo because that was one of my early, early classics of my my movie watching career. But I would say I want to throw in a wild card, which is Brandon Lee from The Crow. Although he might have some supernatural powers, but he is The Crow is one of my all time favorite hero movies. Episode one twenty four, The Crow. I hope mm. we do. I have no idea what that is. What? The Crow. Do you know what it is? I've seen The Crow. 
You've seen the crow? You, I've you've no never idea. seen the crow. We're not. No. Oh. Okay. It's not like birds, by the way. It's Bruce Lee's son, Brandon Lee, and he's oh, fantastic. Wow. Uh, okay. So, my top three is probably in this order: Katniss Everdeen, Rex Quando, <laughs> and the Horse from War Horse. <laughs> But actually, I think that Maximus and Leonidas are the two warriors that like got me hyped as I was watching it. Uh, at Worcester, we used to um, pretend that we were Spartans from the movie 300. You mean uh, the football team that was 4-6? and six? Yeah, that guy. <laughs> Them. But still, Leonidas, uh, he really pumped me up. Alright, next question before we get into the movie. What is the most epic movie that you remember for the first time? Because, obviously, Gladiator is such an epic movie. Mm-hmm. I have two. I, I think it's The Fellowship of the Ring. The very beginning of The Fellowship of the Ring, when uh, Eowyn just talks about all the rings, and she, um, one time I had a sermon illustration that fell flat, but man, it gets me, pi- it gets me pumped. <laughs> I was there. Um, and then Back to the Future. Mm. When they flew in the DeLorean, I was like, okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. I actually remember watching this as an elementary school kid with uh, with my best friend in elementary school, Colton Farmer. I think he brought it over to our house and we watched it. And I just remember being captivated by uh, the music in it, the sounds. Um, there's a handful of things that we're going to get into. I don't want to spoil it. Cinematography. Cinematography. Other big words that describe movies and how they're made and make what make them good. No, I mean, there's the a lot score. of really good stuff. But I've, yeah, this movie, I remember watching this. So when Greg, when Greg suggested this movie. Right? Yeah. I was pumped because this was the first movie for me. Hmm. At least that I can remember. Greg, what about you? Uh, I would say, I was going to say Rocky Four, but then when you said I could count Karate Kid as an epic movie, I would definitely say that. Karate Kid, I think, has probably the best end to a movie I've ever seen. I mean, mm-hmm. as far as, it just gave me the chills. It's very powerful. Yeah, it's one of the most popular endings to a movie ever. Yeah. Crane Kick. I think if we ever do Karate Kid, I can already tell you what my laugh's going to be. And it's, put him in a body bag! (laughs) Karate Kid 1 is great. And we don't have time to talk about it. Wait, does The Sandlot count as an epic movie? Yes. Oh, 100%. That was it. First one. I remember my dad buying for me on VHS. Sandlot. The Sandlot. Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Dude, he jumped over the fence and just ran around town for like 45 minutes. And somehow, well, it turns out he was a pretty good baseball player because he played for the Dodgers should have went into cross country apparently yeah he, he that dude could run forever he ran away from an old dog <laughs> <laughs> all right so we're not talking about Sandlot we're talking about Gladiator and we're going to get into the categories our first category our gospel theme moments in our characters we have Marcus Aurelius played by Richard Harris Maximus played by Russell Crowe and Commodus played by Joaquin Phoenix my initial thoughts on the characters is that the characters really drive the movie. It's an epic movie because the characters are great. Mm-hmm. Um, all, all three of these characters just kind of kill it. This is a drama. This is definitely a drama. Yeah. Drama action. This is a guy, a guy flick? Is what they call that? What's the guy version of a chick flick? Guy flick. <laughs> sure. I'm sure there's a better name for it. This that. is a draction. <laughs> um... That might be worse. <laughs> okay, let's start with Marcus Aurelius. Um, I His last probably day living in the movie, Marcus Aurelius, who is the emperor at this time, and Commodus is his son, 
He has to decide if he's going to let Commodus take over as emperor or give it to someone else. And he has this uh, monologue on how he, he cares so much about his legacy. He asks, how will I be remembered? And I think that's a gospel theme moment because uh, just as humans, we, we do care about how we'd be remembered. We do things because of lasting memories. And, and some people do things because they don't care about their legacy. I, whatever, YOLO. I'll do whatever I want. And it it made me think about, uh, was I making life decisions that uh, would cement my legacy as someone who's sacrificial and loving and caring, the things that Christ would want from me? So that just kind of made me think. Um, did you guys have anything on Marcus Aurelius? Yeah, it's, there was a gospel theme moment for me early. Um, and I was just writing. I was actually surprised by this movie, by how many good lines there were actually in this movie mm-hmm. written. It, it, they sneak up on you a little bit. But he said something early when, um, I think it was, there once there was once a dream that was Rome. You could only whisper it, and I fear that it will not survive the winter. Hmm. And so he's talking about this empire, this kingdom, that, was, that started as an idea that was so fragile you could only whisper it. And um, as he's dying, I think he's wondering, is it going to survive the winter? Is Rome going to survive the winter? It's still pretty fragile. Um, And to me, the gospel moment was when Jesus died and was passing off the kingdom, so to speak, to disciples. um, There was no doubt that it was going to survive and thrive. It was going to work because Jesus was putting his shoulder into it. The resurrected Jesus would be putting his shoulder into it. So that to me was a, a, a picture of the gospel. I think it's so cool, like as we've been doing these podcasts, to watch movies through these lenses. Mm-hmm. Because I, I just don't think I would have looked at Marcus Aurelius as important or I kind of probably would have tuned out mm-hmm. because it's like, ah, this old guy's talking. I love dramas, but I'm not sure about this. But they really do. They sneak up on you and you kind of get hit with like little daggers all the time yeah pretty good writing surprisingly some parts of it are really good yeah mm-hmm. yeah really good writing i don't necessarily have anything specific for gospel theme moments but i did think initially when i saw him i thought man i think this would be better played if it was the second dumbledore <laughs> <laughs> and then i looked up on imdb to find out who it was played by it turns out this is the same guy who played the first Dumbledore, and I <laughs> didn't think it was very good. And then they replaced him with whoever the second Dumbledore was, who was also the guy from The Lord of the Rings. No. Oh, it's not? No. <laughs> it looks like it's it, not Ian McKellen. <laughs> it's not Ian McKellen. That's Ian right. McKellen would be spinning in his urn. <laughs> I don't. I think he's alive, but that's an office quote. <laughs> Glad that you just killed him. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was what I thought was, man, this might be better if it was played by the second Dumbledore. I actually think Richard Harris did a great job. Yeah, he really did. Just he did a better job as this guy than he did as the first Dumbledore. I would agree with that. Okay, so we have Maximus, played by Russell Crowe. Um, Maximus, uh, in the very beginning, he's the general of the Roman, of the I think the Northern Armies is what he says. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he says at one point, if you follow me into battle, you will prevail. And it reminded me of um, Jesus in Matthew 10, he gives this pump up speech to his disciples. Um, Hey, I'm going to send you in a mission and people are going to probably hate you Hmm. and people are going to, uh, scold you, but don't worry, wipe off your feet and go to the next house because I am with you. Hmm. And I think that's 
that's how we get our confidence as Christians. We know that Jesus has authority. And if we're following Jesus into battle, what's there to fear? And the Romans did the same thing. They knew they were going to battle with Maximus. And it was like, all right, here we go. We can't be stopped. Um, so that's one of mine. And, I, and I'll come back to talk about some others, but I want to hear from you guys. So one theme with Maximus is, and I don't know, how, how do you say it? We should just decide how we're going to say it. Lucia, Lucia, how are we going to say her name? Lucia. 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 <laughs> Wait, we'll say, I have no idea. We'll say Lucia. I don't care. Um, where she said about Maximus, at the very end of the movie, she said, is Rome worth one good man's life? And so the themes of that are incredible. Um, Jesus, one good man, died for a, a world of bad men and women. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, I mean, they were just lobbing softballs at that time. Mm-hmm. And then after he died, again, I don't, Juba? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it was um, Juba. Yeah, Juba. He was saying, now we are free and we will see you again, but not yet. And that just, and even when we were watching the movie, you were talking about, these are like his disciples here that are staying behind in a way to carry on his legacy. And Juba said, we will get to see you again, just not quite yet. And I think we can all say the same yeah. about Jesus. I think in a similar fashion to what you said, Greg, there's uh, the, the crowds who have no idea what's going on and they're just cheering because the people um, or the, the leaders, the guy with the wig and the eyebrows, I don't know what his title is, um, <laughs> other than guy who looked really weird. Um, and then you, you have the disciples in a similar sense who knew what he was doing. So I saw a lot of gospel parallels because the crowds didn't know what were going on and the crowds didn't know what was going on when they were cheering for Jesus to be murdered. And the, the religious mm-hmm. leaders were pumping up um, the, the crowds for them to, to cheer for Jesus to, to be murdered. And so the crowds had no idea what they're cheering for and what, and what they shouldn't be cheering for and what's actually going on. So I think in a lot of ways, there's a lot of similar parallels in the story where Juba is like a disciple. We will see you, but not, not yet. We won't see you yet, but we will. Yeah. And then the crowds are just people who are following along. And then you have all the different people who are playing their roles. And I thought a lot of the later, later, uh, chapters of, of the gospels. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point about the crowd though. The crowds are always fickle and they're led by the few loudest voices mm-hmm. and yeah, and I people, see that. people who have their own agenda. They're just right. following other people who have an agenda of some sort that's not honorable. Yeah, and there's 15,000 people in there and they didn't decide, you know, kill or save. It was it was really the um the um gladiators and um, the leaders who were pumping them up. So yeah, and I think that's a great point. Um, another gospel theme that I think is poignant in the movie is that between Commodus and Maximus, real leadership is more important than a title. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a theme of the whole movie because Commodus has the title, but Maximus is an actual leader. Yeah. And the gospel theme there is that Maximus becomes lowly. He becomes the suffering servant. He sympathizes with the weak of Rome, and ultimately he dies to liberate those people. I mean, I don't think there's a better parallel to Jesus than one who would die to liberate uh, a group of people. That's what Jesus did. Mm -hmm. Um, All right, let's move on. We have Commodus, played by Joaquin Phoenix. Before we talk about Commodus, Russell Crowe or Joaquin Phoenix? Just like off the bat, who would you pick to play your life? I saw the Joker most recently, so hopefully not Joaquin. <laughs> this is tough because I think Joaquin has actually had a better career since this movie. But Russell, 
I just feel like he's going to come out with another blockbuster at any moment. Yeah, I agree. I think I would want Joaquin Phoenix to play me because he's so good at playing, like, that person. Russell Crowe could play Maximus, like, 40 times. True. But Joaquin can play this. He can play the Joker. He can play that weirdo in her. <laughs> he's, he, he's, he can play Johnny Cash. He can play Johnny Cash. Signs one of my favorite characters. <laughs> he should play in Signs. Yeah, Joaquin definitely has a wider range. I feel, go ahead, sorry. Russell Crowe for who he is, like, is the top. But we are talking about Commodus, played by Joaquin Phoenix. Commodus really has nothing good in him. I don't think he has good intentions. I don't think he has... I actually don't think he has common grace. Uh, and I think there's probably some depth to that that I'm not even sure I want to touch into yet. This made me curious. We're going to have a theology conversation later. Well, we do have Greg Grimwood here. Oh. Um, I, I just think he's completely overtaken by evil. Um, Greg? Yeah, I, I would say I agree. I think he's actually the picture of... I mean, if Satan is the great counterfeit, the great imitator, that is Commodus. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was listing out the 14 virtues that Aurelius like handed him a 14 virtues. And he said, I am none of those, but I have my own virtues of ambition. He started naming off things that, yeah, this is, this is the great counterfeit to Christ. And one of the quotes that I really, really liked was, the beating heart of Rome is not the marble of the Senate. It's the sand of the Colosseum. Ooh. He'll bring them death, and they will love him for it. That's the Senate guy talking about Commodus. And that's what he did. Commodus brought death and destruction. So, man, what a clear picture to me of an Antichrist figure. And just to point out that our podcast came out of the fact that we realized that every great story is full of gospel themes. It's what... You can't make a better story than Jesus overcoming death. And that's why every good piece of art points to a good God and an evil adversary. And you you really can't get around it. It's the greatest story ever told. Yeah. The greatest story ever told. Hardly ever told. (laughs) Propaganda. Category number two, our big daddy moment when you couldn't hold it in any longer and you had to find a wall to pee on. I almost exclusively pee on walls. Really? <laughs> if I could choose something to pee on, it would be a wall. Just because of Big Daddy. Yeah. I think of that clock in Big Daddy where it like countdowns on counts down on that giant wall. Yeah, that's right. And he's trying to make McDonald's in time. Maybe Big Daddy will be episode two hundred. <laughs> if I could choose something to pee on, it would be a cat. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well our time to pee. Sean, what was yours? Uh, the, the opening scene, the fight scene. The first battle is entirely too long. Way too long. I think it's good because it, it brings up a lot of good things. It shows his power. It shows his ability to lead and be a leader. It shows uh, the fact that he is wise and he's intelligent. That You need all those things to understand the backstory, the context as for the rest of the story. But man, they could have cut it in half. I agree. I, I think why battle scenes are so lame is because they're impersonal. Because then when you see the battle scenes in the actual Colosseum, I was enthralled by those yes. because yeah. they were personal. I think Yeah. That's right? great. My time to pee is any time that Commodus touches his sister's lips. <laughs> like <laughs> yes. a creeper. Yes. He's yeah. a weirdo. Yeah. It, and mine was any any scene with just Commodus and his <laughs> sister. It was very <laughs> yeah, odd and right. uncomfortable the entire time. I I won't tell you my laugh, but my laugh is close to that. 
Um, so it's that. Yep. <laughs> Every time he touches her lips with his fingers. The like, dialogue's completely unimportant, too. I don't even know what he was saying. He's just touching her lips. You can't, like, all you can... You, they're talking, but all you hear is him touching her lips. It's, it's so very weird. weird. I wonder if that was in the script or if he was just going off script That's there a great, just being a psycho. That's a great question. It is Joaquin Phoenix. All right, guys. Our third category. This is our movie recommendation by the By the Heart hosts. Um... For this podcast, our recommendation is, Sean? Hunt for the Wilder People. Hunt for the Wilder People. Directed by our boy? Taika Waititi. Who just won a couple, handful of awards for Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. You should watch Hunt for the Wilder People. It's great. If you don't have it and you know me and I am within range, I will let you borrow it. As long as you return it. You have to return it or give me $20. Oh, at least double that. $40. Okay, our next category, we have gospel quotes. These are the quotes in the movie that are not intended for gospel thematic um, ideas, but as we watch the movie and hear them, we're reminded of gospel themes. My quote, I have two. I'm going to do my first one. Um, When Maximus is a gladiator and they're about to um, have really the fight of their lives, inside uh the coliseum maximus says to all of the all the other slaves whatever comes out of those gates we have a better chance of survival if we stick together we stay together we survive and man if that isn't the christian life if you try to do the christian life by yourself spiritually you will die yeah there i we have too many stories yeah i mean you can just think of corinthians when paul's telling us that we are each we each play a role if the eye says that it wants to be the hand it can't do that and if you try to do something that you're not we all need each other essentially is what i'm trying to say and it's so obvious and many parts of scripture point to that but if you're in and you're you're so right if you're in gospel community you you survive you don't only only survive you thrive yeah that's how you thrive as a christian you're in solid biblical gospel community we can talk about that for so long i can think the first thing for me is i was a hermit I was terrified. I had low self-esteem and I was scared to talk. And now I'm doing a podcast. And a lot of that is rooted in us as roommates, me on a Friday night just wanting to hang out in the dorm and play PS4 or PS3 at the time. And you saying, no, we're going out. There's a Christian brother next to me saying, we're going to pull you out of something that you're doing that's sin because I was scared. I was fearful. And I wasn't believing that God was going to take care of me. And he doesn't by engaging in different ways. There's, uh, I mean, it didn't wasn't like one night everything changed it was over time i started to grow in confidence that god was going to take care of me and you see that that doesn't come without the body and we all probably have thousands of examples of that yeah for sure greg what about you you got any uh examples of when community shaped you oh my goodness yeah i mean i think well actually i was thinking about when you guys were talking about that we i think part of the problem is we underestimate who's coming through those gates so we think that we can actually win this battle on our own, mm-hmm. alone. And so we kind of stay sometimes off to ourselves, especially I think that's just the case. And um, we're a very individualistic culture. So we think we overestimate our strength and we underestimate our enemy, who the Bible says is a roaring lion. So even just something like this, for me, is really encouraging. Hanging out with you guys for the evening I need stuff like this. I need to be around brothers who know me because we have 
blind spots and our enemy knows how to make the most of those blind spots. So I need people who will um, help me to see my own blind spots and encourage me in my, in my own faith. And yeah, so it's a, it's a constant, it's a constant battle for me to fight against individualism and tribalism, even where it's just me and my own family against the world. Yeah. We yeah. need community. This we stuff need each is, other. Yeah. This stuff is life giving even, and it's not always like, this is amazing. We feel amazing after we do this. I can think of right after we did the 1917 one, we walked outside after doing it with Cedric and you're like, all right, man, we got attention. Are we going to solve it now? Or what are we going to do? And I was like, all right, let's talk about this beef we got <laughs> within, I don't know what, half an hour. We were good to go. Yeah. Yeah. It's because you have to have community. You've got to be able to, to Greg says you got to move towards the funk. I love that. That's one of your best lines. <laughs> um, and I, I think that there's no coincidence that the book of Hebrews says, do not neglect meeting together like you always have. Because when you neglect meeting together, uh, you, you not, not only do you die spiritually, but you become so self-focused that um, you can't be a server. You can't be a lover of people. You've got to be in community. It, it's of the utmost importance. So, I, I mean, that just stuck out to me like a sore thumb. Yeah, and I was gonna say, even even the fact that a lot of times we we feel like and we're talking about this in our current series, a lot of times we measure our goodness or effectiveness as a Christian by how much we know about God, and Jesus just made it very clear in one of his last conversations with the disciples that the world will recognize that you are my followers by the quality of love that you have for one another, by the way that you love for one another. He actually said it's a new commandment. Because the old commandment was love your neighbor as yourself. But Jesus was adding to it by saying specifically, it's the way that you guys mm. love one another. And so, yeah, I think our enemy is always wanting us to be isolated in the same way the people in the Colosseum probably would have preferred to fight that crowd as a bunch of individuals rather than them all together. And the, the um, Commodus says to whoever's running the thing, uh, forgive me if I'm mistaken, but in the Battle of Carthage, didn't the barbarians lose? Right. And, you know, Maximus binds this group together, makes their own battalion, and they, they actually win in mm -hmm. the Colosseum, which isn't supposed to happen. Right. Just shows what happens when you work together. That was a great scene. Mm -hmm. Okay, what about some other quotes? Greg, I know you have a bunch of those. What do you got? The very end, Commodus to Maximus. Um, he comes up to him after he after Maximus revealed who he was, and Commodus says to him, "What am I going to do with you? You simply won't die." <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, you can yeah, death could not hold our king and our savior back either. So yeah, that was a that was a big one for me. You simply won't die. And then Maximus says to Commodus at one point, "Time for honoring yourself will soon be at an end." Um, I will let you keep keep on in this charade. You can keep pretending that you have power and authority, but your time will come to an end at some point. Those are a couple. Mm -hmm. Sean? That one was really good, the last one you just said, Greg. When we were all watching it, that one hit my, just made my chest heavy. Yeah, it was really good. Um, Commodus' sister that he's uh, really weird to, what's her name again? Lucia. Lucia? Okay, cool. Um, she says... Today, I saw a slave become more powerful than the emperor of Rome. And I thought that was a great illustration to who Jesus was. 
Jesus mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily, he wasn't a slave, but he was a nobody. He was from Nazareth. He was not, he did not come from money. He did not come from wealth or education. He was somebody who came and overthrew the system completely. Yeah, and it's one of the reasons that Jesus is so relatable, why you can trust in him, because he is God. So he has all wisdom and all authority, but yet he become, he became a suffering servant. He became low. He sympathizes with our weakness. Um, he's not distant. Jesus is as close and relational, um, I mean, as close and relation, relational as anything, and... It's why we can trust him. I think that's so good. I have another quote. Um, Maximus talking to one of the slaves who was a beast. He said to him, now his name's Proximo, and Proximo pretty much uh, was just there to kill and had no good in him. And after being with Maximus for a little while, um, his behavior began to change. And Maximus said to him, are you in danger of becoming a good man, Proximo? And I just, I thought of, man, the, the slow sanctifi- sanctification, the slow transformation, shall you say. What's the, uh, what does sanctification mean? The slow growth mm. of becoming more like Jesus that happens when you actually commune with Jesus. Mm. I can imagine Jesus looking back at me at one point and saying, are you in danger of becoming a good person, Alex? Mm. Obviously, it's because... I would have been with Christ. And Proximo is only becoming this way because he's with Maximus. Not because he's just, just chosen to be like this. Mm. He's seen the example. Yeah, he's starting to taste of a different life. For sure. That's so good. Greg, you got any more? Yeah, another one, Lucia, um, was describing Maximus. and I, I forget when I wrote this. I think she was maybe talking to Commodus, but she said, The mob is fickle. He'll be forgotten in a month. And I don't even think she knew it was Maximus at that time. But um, the idea of a mob being fickle, again, it's that mob mentality that Jesus wasn't particularly um, interested in keeping the people entertained. He was completely fine with people walking away. And I was just thinking of his disciples when he was saying everybody else is walking away. He just had a very confusing and strange teaching. And they're like, it does sound a little weird. And he's like, are you going to leave too? Um, and that's where Peter said, where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life, but a fickle mob and a fickle crowd. Um, yeah, just a lot of parallels there. Yeah. Those quotes are awesome. Greg. Um, we good. Are those all the quotes. Those are all the quotes I got. Okay. So we didn't talk about the best quote in the movie. The best quote in the movie. There's one quote that's obviously the best quote in the movie. It's the best, not maybe not the best. It's probably the best moment of the movie. We'll talk about it later. By the heart moments. They'll be coming. They'll be coming. All right. Our Jimmy V moments, the moments that made you laugh, moments that made you think, moments that made you cry. Every single day, every single day of your life, you've got to laugh. You really have to think, and you've got to cry. And if you follow me into battle, you will prevail as a laugher, thinker, and crier. And in the end, we root for one team and one team only, the Green Bay Packers. (laughs) And Rutgers basketball. And Rutgers basketball. <laughs> How about Jimmy V impersonation? That is Maximus being Jim Valvano. Yeah. Imagine if it wasn't Jimmy V there. Instead, it was Maximus. Played by Alex Casari. Oh, man. Yeah. All right. Moments that made you laugh. Greg, do you have a moment that made you laugh? 
probably every time <laughs> that Commodus touched Lucia's <laughs> Commodus touched Lucia's lips. Either that or when the guy peed his pants before going out in the first Ooh, yeah, gladiator. Yeah, that's pretty good. One uh, of my laughs is just Commodus is a creep. He's just so weird. Yeah. Every scene he's in is so creepy. I'm pretty sure the the directors probably look back at this twenty some years twenty years later and are probably thinking maybe we could have like uh, pulled that one back a little bit. Maybe made him less I, creepy. That definitely aged the worst. Yeah, him yes. being a creeper. Yeah. I don't know that if there's the a creepier character that I can think of in any movie. Probably the guy from Jeepers Creepers. What about Buffalo Bob? Well, human. Oh, <laughs> Buffalo Bill. Well, I Buffalo don't know. Bill. Buffalo Bob and Joe Dirt. Oh. Jo- Joaquin is close. Joaquin touching her lips is creepier than Buffalo Bill, I'd yeah. say. Yeah. Maybe not. Uh, it's up I there. Don't know about that. All right, my my laugh was uh, Juba asks Maximus, what's, what's he going to do when he sees his family? And he says, to my son, I'd say, keep your heels down when riding your horse. To my wife... That's none of your business. And they both like, <laughs> kind of chuckle and laugh. It's like, that's, that's great. And my number one laugh is Maximus escaping. Somehow there's a sword about to be plunged into his head, and he back <laughs> he like backheads the guy in the chest, and the sword flies up. Yeah, somehow he and doesn't he, stab, yeah. stab his own head or neck. He catches the sharp end of the sword and hits somebody in the head with it and doesn't have <laughs> wounds. <laughs> I picked those things up. They brushed past that really quickly, and the rest of that, of him wielding that sword, was pretty awesome. Definitely great. Okay, how about our thinks? Greg, what's your think? One with the major Well, think. people aren't going to get mad at him because he's a kid, but definitely Lucius sold Maximus out without even trying to Commodus when he said, Maximus, the deliverer of Rome. And that's when he gave away the, the secret that Maximus was planning a coup. Mm. And I was not happy with Lucius at that moment. Mm-hmm. So what would have happened if he wouldn't have been playing mm. with the sword, the wooden sword, and wouldn't have said that? Yeah, I probably would have played it a lot different. My, my think, I don't know if there was necessarily a moment, but the overall theme of watching Maximus do everything he can to uh, get revenge for his family and for Commodus uh, plotting to kill him, was that outside of Christ, because he is outside of Christ, he's clearly not walking with the spirit. He's walking with the flesh throughout this movie. But we will do anything and give up everything for whatever our heart is set on. Yeah. Period. We will. And I, I asked you guys when we were watching this, like, I don't know if I would act any differently mm. if someone plotted to sell, either kill me, which is what happened, plotted to kill me and murder my family. I don't know if I'd be able to act any differently than him if I had the skills that he did yeah and my thinks right along those lines is how would i take vengeance uh, as a professing believer would i be able to relinquish my own anger and say vengeance is god's not mine i hope and uh i think what we learn about jesus is that we can't do what he asks us to do without him so i don't think i would be able to do it unless jesus empowers me to yeah Absolutely. Um, I would do the same thing as Maximus. I'm right with you. All right, we have our cry. Do we all have the same cry? Yep. Uh, Greg, it's that he finds his wife and his son murdered. Is that your cry? Well, my cry is actually, it's a different side of that emotion, is when he gets to go back home and see his wife in the afterlife, mm. his wife and his son. Mm. Um, that so. That's great. It's actually, around the same thing, but it's the reunion. Okay, so we don't have the same cry. Different so tears. I just assumed. Right. Maximus finds his wife and his son murdered crucified mm-hmm. and it's very emotional i actually have another cry it's when juba um says that he's he's gonna see maximus again but not yet 
it was so I thought of my own liberation. I thought of being myself being freed. I actually got chills during mm-hmm. that moment because I thought I get to see Christ someday. That's good. And that's that is emotional for me. All right, our very last category by the heart. These are the moments that capture our hearts. Um, Greg, what do you have? Well, I I was surprised. It'd been a while since I watched this. And I think the thing that captured me was because I'm a dialogue guy. Um, the thing that I was surprised by is how good, like I said, some of the writing was. I just got this little line right here. The frost, sometimes it makes the blade stick. Not only is that a great line not only is that great writing but his delivery on that was absolutely beautiful so i was captured by just a lot of the the writing and the quotes that i had completely forgotten about the filmmaking really is incredible Mm -hmm. sean do we have the same exact one oh yeah yeah the best moment of the movie in my opinion i've got it right here you i do too you ready for it go ahead you got it i'm gonna do it in his voice oh boy my name is maximus decimus meridius commander of the armies in the north you're not gonna set it up General of the Felix Legions. All right, roll with it. Loyal servant to the true emperor, Marcus Aurelius. Father to a murdered son. Husband to a murdered wife. And I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. Maximus revealing his face to Commodus, who has him captured. Ooh, so good. Yeah, unbelievable. He's waited this whole time. He's got a mask on to to keep from revealing himself. And he sees him face to face, the person who he was sent to murder. It's and, uh, such a great moment. That was such a great moment. And there's actually there's a lot of great buildup in this movie too. And I think that goes along with the writing that they were building up to that one moment and the way that he just nailed that. Russell Crowe. I'm I'm I want to go start watching Russell Crowe movies again. And, and even right before he reveals himself, they told him before that don't turn your back on Caesar because it's rude and so he turns his back on him and and walks away almost intentionally and Joaquin Phoenix yells at him don't turn your back on me and that's when you know this is gonna he's about to reveal himself he's getting him emotional and he's gonna turn around and it's gonna be Russell Crowe it's gonna be the person who's supposed to be dead this person who now has a murdered family and he gives this line I mean that's about as good of a line as I've heard in a movie in I don't know 20 years great line Russell Crowe won best actor in the Academy Awards and Joaquin Phoenix did not. And I think this is the line that sealed his fate as best actor. Well, guys, that was By the Heart Gladiator. So thankful to have Greg on the podcast with us. Greg, it was a pleasure having you. This was fun. Thanks, guys. Let's do it again. I really would love to. Mm-hmm. Um, join us next time as we talk about our favorite movies, Grudge Match. And what else, Sean? Terminator Salvation. That's right. Goodbye. Later.